here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. Some breaking news. Not phony breaking news. Real breaking news. CBS News. Attorney General Merrick Garland has assigned the U.S. Attorney in Chicago to review classified documents found at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement in Washington. Two sources with knowledge of the inquiry told CBS News. The roughly 10 documents are from Joe Biden's vice presidential office at the center. The sources said CBS News has learned the FBI is also involved in the U.S. attorney's inquiry. The classified material was identified by personal lawyers for Mr. Biden on November 2nd, just before the midterm elections. Richard Sauber, special counsel to the president, confirmed. Of course, they kept their mouth shut until after. The documents were discovered when Mr. Biden's personal attorneys, quote, were packing files housed in a locked closet to prepare to vacate office space at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., unquote. Sauber said in a statement to CBS News, the documents were contained in a folder that was in a box with other unclassified papers, the sources said. The sources revealed neither what the classified documents contain nor their level of classification. A source familiar told CBS News the documents did not contain nuclear secrets. Oh, well, I guess that's okay. And where you have 10 classified documents, America, you have unclassified documents, too. As I've said repeatedly, there is no damn way in hell that presidents and vice presidents and attorneys general and secretaries of state haven't taken documents with them. The discovery of these documents was made by the president's attorney, Sauber said. The documents were not the subject of any previous request or inquiry by the archives. See, he's trying to make a distinction. Doesn't matter. Since that discovery, the president's personal attorneys have cooperated with the archives and the Department of Justice in a process to ensure that any Obama-Biden administration records are appropriately in the possession of the archives. But they're not, are they? For many, many years. 
A source familiar with the matter said representatives from the National Archives then notified the Department of Justice. Garland assigned U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, John Lausch, to find out how the classified material ended up in the Penn Biden Center. The review is considered a preliminary step, and the Attorney General will determine whether further investigation is necessary, including potentially appointing a special counsel. You know, the special counsel would-be issues are piling up, ladies and gentlemen. Laos was nominated to be the U.S. attorney by former President Donald Trump, and he's one of the only two current Trump-era U.S. attorneys still serving. The other is Delaware U.S. attorney David Weiss, who's leading an investigation into the president's son, Hunter Biden. Laos recently briefed the attorney general will eventually submit a final report to Garland. The review is expected to conclude soon. The Biden-Penn Center is a think tank about a mile from the White House in Washington. It's affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania, named for the sitting president. Presidential Records Act, they write, requires all presidential and vice presidential documents to be turned over to the National Archives. There are special protocols to keep classified information secure. Biden learned about the presence of the information when his lawyer reported them to the White House Counsel's Office in November. A source familiar said the president is unaware of their contents. The documents are believed to be currently in a secure location in Washington. Look how they twist the reporting. Did they say the documents that Trump had were in a secure location in Mar-a-Lago? No. In a think tank? Why are they considered to be in a secure location? Are they in a vault? What, how is it secure? <clears throat> the Biden Penn Center and the University of Pennsylvania did not respond to a request for comment. The National Archives declined to comment. Attorneys assigned to oversee Biden's vice presidential records did not reply to voice messages in an email seeking comment. they got to figure out what their, uh, what their story is going to be. The unprecedented search followed more than a year tussling. With the Trump people, of course. How much you want to bet Obama has documents, including classified documents? We know he has a lot of documents. How much you want to bet George W. Bush does? How much you want to bet Al Gore does and Dick Cheney? How much you want to bet? How about you, Bill Barr? Not saying you do, but now's the time to come clean if you do. What about Eric Holder? What about Hillary Clinton? Did she retain any of those before she destroyed them? I hope you were able to watch last night, Life, Liberty, and Levin. You had the incoming chair of the House Oversight Committee, really good guy as it turns out, James Comer, Jamie Comer, they call him. He's a big fan of this show and big fan of the TV show, he told me. Anyway, one of the things I asked him is about the National Archives. You're going to dig into this? And they said, absolutely. All the texts, all the emails, and all the rest. I'm very impressed with this guy. As a matter of fact, now, I want to get into something else. Those of you who are loyal listeners, I dropped as many hints as I possibly could last week, Thursday and especially Friday, about the events on Capitol Hill. I wasn't bloviating behind the microphone about good and bad, good and evil. And here we won one. We won one. We won a big one. Yes. Who are all these rhinos? 
even some of our own. This is the greatest event since Ronald Reagan won the presidency for conservatives. All right, let me start at the beginning. Actually, I'm going to take an early break now, so we don't have an early interruption. I'm going to give you information you do not have that I said, some of which I would reveal when this was over, and it's over. And unfortunately, been getting the usual pablum. I'm sure one host after another sounds almost identical, whether on radio or TV. It's a pretty, pretty superficial case to be made. The 20 are great, and the other 200 are not. Conservatives won. Well, there is good that came out of this, but I want to give you all the facts so you can draw your own conclusions. Those of you who are like Marxists, you just want to set up a firing squad and start shooting, you don't need to listen anymore. You got plenty of hosts you can listen to. There's plenty of propaganda and demagogues with microphones and with cameras. Go ahead. But if you're smart and you're intelligent and you're a real constitutional conservative, stick with me. I'll be right back. Lovin. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. But you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision, and visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. It's a lot breaking today, but I want to I wanna hit this. July 28, 2015. H.R. Resolution 385 by Mr. Meadows, Mark Meadows, congressman from North Carolina at the time, submitted the following resolution, which was referred to the Committee on Rules. This is very important. Declaring the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives vacant. Whereas the Speaker of the House of Representatives for the 114th Congress has endeavored to consolidate power and centralize decision-making, bypassing the majority of the 435 members of Congress and the people they represent. Whereas the Speaker has, through inaction, caused the power of Congress to atrophy, thereby making Congress subservient to the executive and judicial branches, diminishing the voice of the American people. Whereas the Speaker uses the power of the office to punish members who vote according to their conscience instead of the will of the Speaker. Whereas the Speaker has intentionally provided for voice votes on consequential and controversial legislation to be taken without notice and with few members present. Whereas the Speaker uses, uses the legislative calendar to create crises for the American people in order to compel members to vote for legislation. 
whereas the Speaker does not comply with the spirit of the rules of the House of Representatives, which provide that members shall have three days to review legislation before voting, whereas the Speaker continues to direct the Rules Committee to limit meaningful amendments, to limit debate on the House floor, and to subvert a straightforward legislative process, whereas the House of Representatives to function effectively in the service of all citizens of this country requires the service of a Speaker who will endeavor to follow an orderly and inclusive process without imposing his or her will upon majority a member thereof, now therefore be it resolved that the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. This was the resolution that Mark Meadows put in place under a rule that had not really been effectively applied in about a hundred years. It was tried against Gingrich once, but it didn't work. One of the people who draft this resolution was me. I've never told you that. One of the people who edited this resolution after it was finally drafted was me. I never told you that. If you listen to a number of the points that are raised in this resolution that resulted in John Boehner resigning, it addresses a number of the points for the new rules that have been adopted post-Pelosi by the Republicans are going to be adopted, I guess, this evening in the House. The rules that you've heard talked about and read on TV and on radio 90% of those rules were agreed to two months ago. Which is one of the reasons I kept telling you that a majority of the Freedom Caucus was not going along with the other 20. The vast majority of those rules, 90%, had already been agreed to. And there were some at the end, they were adopted to refine things and add some things. No question about it. But this is why there was some fury on the floor of the House and anger. It wasn't just 20 great patriots standing up and all of a sudden going against an unmovable 200 members. Most of those 200 members thought they already had a package. This is what I was trying to tell you, but couldn't tell you, <clears throat> about the, the 20 and the differences among them. Some very principled, who felt they needed to go further. Some wanting special committee assignments and power, and some who just hated McCarthy. The last six who voted president hated McCarthy. It took a call from Donald Trump to tell him to cut it out. One of the people who wrote me, a person whose name I will not reveal for her sake was never debating me about rules. She wrote me a nasty email saying, well, now McCarthy is yours. I said, what do you mean McCarthy is mine? Because I wouldn't throw in first with the five. They had to change the 20, their strategy. The original strategy was no McCarthy. Period. Anti-McCarthy, like never Trumpers, they were never McCarthy. But they weren't getting anywhere with that. They were advised 
that use a rule of attrition. That was the model they wanted to try. But they weren't getting anywhere. Biggs, who they put up first, only got 10 votes. Biggs is not popular, even among conservatives. And he's despised by the Convention of States movement. Five and a half million active members. And when they threw up Byron Donalds, who's a friend of mine who I adore, Byron Donalds had just voted for McCarthy. Then they're throwing up Jim Jordan, who wants nothing to do with it. He's trying to negotiate and end this thing. Then, of course, Donald Trump, and I don't need to go through all this with you. They simply couldn't take out McCarthy with another candidate. So they went back to the rules. They went back to the rules and they made demands. This guy wants to sit on this committee. This guy wants to sit on that committee. And there were some other demands that, that caused a battle like the vacating of the chair, like this. And they insisted on this. And the issue wasn't whether to protect McCarthy or not with one member being able to have a vote of a majority to vacate the chair. The issue is whether or not the Republicans would be strong enough if a handful of them could hold the sort of Damocles over another speaker's head. It had nothing to do with McCarthy. And a number of the conservative members, including from the Freedom Caucus, said, we're going to have difficulty getting anything done here. It's very close. Some of the issues we're going to duke out. We could lose moderates, liberals, They could join with the Democrats. It could get awfully messy here, regardless of who the speaker is. The speaker could be the late, great Ronald Reagan. It wouldn't matter. So that was a principled debate. And they decided to give in. That was one of the sticking points. But when we come back, I want to go through some of these rules that they adopted, and I want you to know to my knowledge, which one of these were already agreed to by the entire Republican caucus. And by the way, two months ago, Biden and the Justice Department knew about classified information that the vice president had given to his think tank, so they covered it up for two months, including through the election. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. But you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you, and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision and visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811. 
The Jefferson motion, you've heard a lot of references by my buddy Chip Roy and others to Thomas Jefferson and the rules that he had written when he was vice president in 1801 that were adopted by Congress. The uh, rules of order, Robert's rules, I guess he adjusted them. And they mention in there a Jeffersonian motion to vacate the chair, which would just need a single congressman to raise it, not to remove the speaker, but to raise it for the rest of the body of the vote. What he did is he updated the original rules. He was always working on them. He was a perfectionist. From 1801, he put out a second edition in 1812, and he said he was going to continue to update it as time went on. And in 1837, the Congress of the United States adopted it. Uh, That rule hadn't been used for 100 years. It was used in the last centuries, you've heard over and over again. And it was used by Mark Meadows. Um, There were enough people who wanted to support it that it concerned Boehner, and he just stepped down, and then we got Paul Ryan. And so they wanted to go back to that vacate the chair where one person can vote, and I already told you about it. This was not an issue over McCarthy. This was an issue, period. They wanted to be able to vacate the chair if necessary, and so a compromise was offered. I believe it was Jordan who said, okay, five. And they said no. So ultimately he agreed to the one. But the concern, including among very solid conservatives, is the Democrats can pull that too. Over and over and over again. One. Call for a vote on the speaker. And their argument was, we've got a lot to do here. We've got to unite. We've got the Biden crime family. We've got the border. We've got this. We've got that. We can't be voting all the time on whether to remove the speaker. So that's to be seen if that happens. I don't think it will, but that's to be seen. So that was an issue. This church-style committee, some of these folks are saying it wouldn't have happened but for it. Now, I know that's not true because two months ago, Jim Jordan was on this show. I brought up a church-style committee. He said, we're going to do something, whether it's a commission, a subcommittee, a separate committee. Remember this, Mr. Producer, where we're going to centralize our resources and have the best staff and all the rest that can do this. So this was already agreed to. It was already agreed to. Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. All the powers would be spread among other committees. No, no, no. The centralization and focus was already agreed to by all the Republicans. A vote on a balanced budget amendment. That was always, that had already been agreed to. A vote on term limits. That had already been agreed to. It'll go nowhere, by the way, for the reasons I said. I don't like these shiny object efforts Uh, You can't change the Constitution with a statute. You couldn't limit the presidency to two terms or ten total years like we did without an amendment. And that's the way it works. Bills presented to Congress will be single subject, not omnibus, with all the attendant earmarks. That had been agreed to. A 72-hour minimum period to read them, that had been agreed to. Um... What else? COVID mandates will be ended. That had been agreed to. 
getting rid of the masks, that had been agreed to. Ending proxy voting, that had been agreed to. These are common sense things, and they all agreed to them. And most of the rest. Some of the issues with respect to uh, using 2022 budget cap, I understand that did surprise some of the members uh, because what happened is several months ago they had a meeting of all these Republicans and they got together. And now McCarthy and I have not talked. This is not from McCarthy. This is from conservatives. And they went through all the issues. They thought they had agreement on all the issues. And they said to some of them, okay, what else is there that you want us to discuss? What else is there that we might be able to resolve? And they didn't have anything else at the time. They didn't have anything else at the time. So as the effort to prevent McCarthy per se, the attrition model was not working, then they pushed additional issues. And this is why some of the members were losing their temper. I'm just pointing this out. Now you know more than anybody else about what was taking place. That's all I know. And I've checked, my sources are good sources. It's not like some anonymous source or something like that. And I called several of them too. People who you admire and respect. But this is why 60%, ask yourself, why would 60%, they keep saying the Freedom Caucus wanted this. No, no, 60% of the Freedom Caucus did not join in on this. 60%. Why wouldn't Jordan join in? Now you know why. Jim Banks. Now you know why. Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't even know. Now you know why. And I can go through the whole list. There were far more solid conservatives than 20 who were voting for McCarthy. Not because Mark McCarthy is some great conservative icon, but for all the reasons I just told you. So to circle back, when this person, this woman wrote me and said, okay, McCarthy's yours, <clears throat> that's the game. And that's what a lot of talk show hosts are worried about. That McCarthy will screw up and they can say that they were on the good side. I don't have to play games with you. I trust my audience. I know what you think as a general matter. You want us to take this country back. I'm not interested in games and you're not interested in games. I don't think Donald Trump's a rhino either, do you? Well, why was he involved in this? Because he knew, he understood too. He certainly did. And the final six votes were by individuals who were never going to support McCarthy. And you might say, good, I don't trust McCarthy. It's not the point. They didn't have anybody else. All the rules were already agreed to. Now what? Now what? Don't you want to confront the enemy? Don't you want to deal with the border? Don't you want to deal with these climate change frauds? Now what? And I believe that's what led President Trump to finally say to them, let's get this over with. 
And that's why those of you who watched, most of you probably didn't, on the floor of the house, a, a very quick reverse. A very quick reverse in terms of a motion to adjourn. And if Donald Trump hadn't stepped in, I ask you, how would this have ended? How would it have ended? You've got people on TV and radio telling you this is how it works. This is a great thing, what took place and so forth and so on. They don't know anything that I know. I've already told you things that they don't know. And that said, I will lead the fight for conservative agenda. And we will continue to lead the fight for the conservative agenda. But I'm not going to follow Representative Good, who took $2 million from McCarthy and then refused to support him. I said, that's fine, but if you want to be a man of character and consistent, then give the $2 million back. Or Lauren Boebert took almost $1.9 million. She won by less than 600 votes. She was on this program twice. We endorsed her. I like her. My wife likes her. We met her the first time she decided to run, and we got behind her. But don't take nearly $1.9 million and then do what you did. Give the money back. And the third of the six, Biggs, what he did is simply unacceptable. He claims to be the big conservative, and yet he was the one guy that blocked the vote on convention of states and the state senate in Arizona. Killed it. Until he left. When they passed it. He was the obstacle. Now if he's sitting in Congress, if he's Speaker, God forbid, and that application ever comes to the House and the Senate, what would he do there? So he can't be trusted. That's three of the six. Gates was furious with McCarthy because of other reasons. He didn't think he defended him strongly enough when he was, when allegations were made against him, among other things. So I'm not following these guys off the edge of the earth. They're not Mr. and Mrs. Conservative to me. They're conservative, but they're certainly no better. Certainly no better than Jordan or Banks or whomever. So this has been my thinking all along. Just stick with me, folks. I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. There are people who want to make names for themselves, now columnists, little green guys, who've done nothing for the conservative movement, who really know nothing about the conservative movement, are still debating on whether or not they're conservatives or national populists. I call them capos. It's like capo. Wannabes. But wannabes are just that, wannabes. They follow the crowd. Another young lady who I respect a lot, she wrote a piece about, oh, this is the biggest event since, I forget what she said, the conservative movement and since whatever. No, it's not. Most of these rules were already in the works. Now, here's where we kick in. 
those of us who have a little experience and knowledge, now's the time to watch what they do. What they're going to do. They've just told us they now have the power to do X, Y, Z. I've got all the audio. We have it all inventoried. And now it's up to you and me to hold them to account, whomever they are. Whether it's Kevin McCarthy or Matt Gates. And one other thing that had not been agreed to prior to this was this massive cut in defense spending. And it's a sticking point with many conservatives who are not isolationists, pacifists, who are not part of the, uh, the putinoids with their hemorrhoids. And it's not because they want to give uh, Ukraine a trillion dollars. It's because they see that communist China is a massive threat. That they're building nukes and conventional weaponry like nothing we've seen before since the Third Reich. And that what communist China is doing is more than saber-rattling. They are preparing for war. And they understand, as many of you understand, and I understand. You don't effectively slash your defense budget and even in part disarm when you see what's out there. That's what made Churchill such a great leader. Because he spoke out when Britain was sleeping and then Britain was convincing itself that Nazism was not going to be a problem for them even after a few countries were gobbled up. Pretty, pretty idiotic, pretty insane, if you ask me, <clears throat> to start slashing your defense budget in the face of an enemy, enemy like this. I understand this is what the left believes. This is what McGovern used to believe. This is what Obama used to believe or does. This is what Kerry believes and all the rest. But I'll be damned if I'm following them too. And just remember, it was under Donald Trump we had the biggest increase in defense spending in modern times. Is he a sellout? Is he a warmonger? How ridiculous. Neocon. And how about Reagan? Same thing. These are our greatest modern presidents. So that would bother me too. Spending does need to be slashed. But the massive amount of new spending that's taken place, $6.1 trillion more, hasn't been for defense proportionally. It's been for domestic spending. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. 
but you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you, and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision and visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. I want to get back to this document issue with Biden next hour. It needs to be uh, more fully addressed because you're going to have all kinds of spin by the Democrats. Well, as soon as they found them, they offered them and we're an ass three times and, you know, is in a secure location. I don't care about any of that. And I want to know why a U.S. attorney, I don't care if he was nominated by Trump or not, is investigating this. I want to know why there isn't right now an FBI SWAT team at this think tank gathering all the information. Why is that? This has gone on for two months. Apparently this... This was first learned on November 2nd, and it was covered up from the voters. It's been covered up from the American people for two months, more than two months. And it's basically a leak to CBS News, as best as I understand it. But they're going to wrap it up quickly, ladies and gentlemen. The U.S. attorney in Chicago... Is going to give the information quickly so Merrick Garland can make decisions. You believe this? So I want to explore this further next hour. So when we come back, we're going to go over this in more detail and explore. Apparently the violations of federal law by Biden and his team. And why is it that there wasn't a SWAT team sent to that think tank in Washington, D.C., very close to FBI headquarters? Why is that? Well, because he wasn't asked twice or thrice. I don't care. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. In hour three, we will have Stephen Miller with us, founder of American First Legal, to explain what exactly is this Biden proposal, because for me, it looks like massive amnesty. And isn't this all illegal and unconstitutional? So now that we have all the rules that everybody wanted, what are they going to do about it? And our friend Greg Kelly... He'll be on the program, too, all in the third hour, so stick with us. I want to get back to this. 
And first of all, credit where credit is due, CBS reported this, but obviously somebody contacted them. But they could have covered it up like they did the uh, Biden laptop, but they didn't. Now, hopefully some of the other media will jump in and dig into this. Our media. U.S. attorney reviewing classified documents from Joe Biden's vice presidency found at the Biden think tank. So I want to start there. How is it possible that they didn't send a SWAT team in there? Why didn't they send a SWAT team in there? Now, if they have 10, 20, 30 classified documents or two. Isn't it likely they have other government documents in there, classified or otherwise? Those are two different issues. Whether he has government documents, and I'm telling you all these guys do. All of them. Obama, George W., Clinton, Clinton, Holder, Gore, Cheney, you name them. You name them. So this was always a farce. And then you'll get the legal analysts who now have humiliated themselves. Just as so many people who slyly and sleazily have attacked me look like a bunch of damn fools tonight. But in this case here, they're reviewing classified documents. No SWAT team was sent in. No uh, no special counsel. He gives it to a U.S. attorney. You see the double treatment? These, the different treatment? Biden and Trump? It's outrageous. Attorney General Merrick Garland is assigned the U.S. attorney in Chicago to review the classified documents. Roughly 10 of them are from Biden's vice presidential office. CBS News has learned the FBI is also involved in the U.S. Attorney's inquiry. What is the inquiry exactly? They're going to just read the 10 documents? Shouldn't the inquiry be to say, hey, what else do you have over there? Well, we don't have anything. Well, guess what? We have a SWAT team over there right now looking. Why didn't they do that? And I'm telling you what the analysts will say. It's because Trump was resistant. Trump wouldn't give them to us. Trump this, Trump... Excuse me, that has nothing to do with anything. Biden is signing all these things to allow the Department of Justice to criminalize what is an administrative matter. What did Biden do and his people to take documents? How did 10 classified documents wind up there? And is that all there is? The classified material was identified by personal attorneys for Biden on November 2nd just before the midterm elections. Said Richard Sauber, special counsel to the president, who confirmed it. Why are they talking to the special counsel to the president? There should be a special counsel investigating the president. And they were discovered when Biden's personal attorneys, quote, were packing files housed in a locked closet to prepare to vacate office space at the Penn Biden Center, Washington, D.C., unquote. Now, that's interesting. So they were in a locked closet, and that's secure? Is that more secure than the locked storage area in the basement 
of Mar-a-Lago? Doesn't seem such. Documents were contained in a folder that was in a box with other unclassified papers. Were those government papers? The sources revealed neither what the classified documents contained nor their level of classification. But they didn't have nuclear secrets. Oh, okay. Well, neither did Trump's. That, that leak turned out to be a lie. White House Counsel's Office notified the National Archives when it was discovered, which took possession of the materials the following morning. Now keep in mind, for the two months all this was going on, more than two months, they got a special counsel now investigating Trump on this in January 6th. They've got other analysts all over TV commenting on this. You even had the reprobates, the disgruntled former Trump administration officials, including Bill Barr, the former attorney general up there, saying this is kind of black and white. Well, is this black and white too, Bill? The discovery of these documents was made by the president's attorneys. They say the documents, this is the president's special counsel at the White House, were not the subject of any previous request or inquiry by the archives. So what? Since that discovery, the president's personal attorneys have cooperated with the archives and the Department of Justice. Oh, wow, that's helpful. In a process to ensure that any Obama-Biden administration records are appropriately in the possession of the archives. And what did they find? We don't know. There's no answer. And why would you leave it up to the private attorneys for Obama and Biden? Why wouldn't you be sending the FBI in there? with automatic rifles drawn. I'm quite serious. This is really outrageous. If it's the crime of the century, how can it be the crime of the century? For By the way, one of the crimes of the century, the Penn-Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Is this a joke? The National Archives notified the Department of Justice... And then Garland assigned the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois. Because, you see, he'd been proposed by Trump. Well, it doesn't matter. The purpose of a special counsel is to eliminate the appearance of a conflict of interest. Lawyers in the private sector have the same responsibility. But here, this is the highest levels of government the appearance of a conflict of interest. Merrick Garland will not let go of any so-called investigations, quote-unquote, of Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or investigations that should be launched against Joe Biden. He will not let, it go, let go of, the, of control over it. But when it comes to Trump, he appoints a special counsel. But that's not when you appoint a special counsel. You appoint a special counsel when there's an appearance of a conflict within an administration. Not when you're investigating a political opponent. Let's see here. Now this U.S. attorney recently briefed the Attorney General and will eventually submit a final report to Garland 
and it's expected to conclude soon. But how can this guy provide a report to Garland unless all the documents were reviewed at the University of Pennsylvania, the Penn Biden Center? You know, Biden's such an idiot. He wouldn't even qualify to be a student at the University of Pennsylvania. But there he is. Do they ever name these places after conservative Republicans? Hillary Clinton just got, I think, a job at Columbia. Wasn't it Columbia, Rich? I don't know what she'll talk about. You know, how to stay uh, three steps in front of the law or something like that. I must have said something that almost got me in trouble. But nonetheless, you won't find a conservative. Oh, what they just did, actually. University of Florida hired uh, Sass. Hardly a conservative, though. Anti-Trumper. But for the most part, you're not going to find that. Biden learned about the presence of classified documents when his lawyers reported them to the White House Counsel's Office. Biden's unaware of the contents. Why? Why didn't they tell him what the contents were? He's president. He's got the highest classification. And he can declassify or classify to his heart's desire. And where are these documents today? Who has possession of them? You'll also notice that the University of Delaware, which houses a lot of Joe Biden's documents from the Senate, when he was in the Senate, he turned all those documents over to them, remember? And they're under lock and seal, really. They're under Fort Knox. And people have tried to get access to them, and the university says no. Tara Reid, who has alleged that Joe Biden molested and raped her, she says somebody ought to look at those documents as well, but they don't want to look at the documents. And hopefully the, uh, the Republicans in the House, now that they have all the rules that they want, hopefully they will subpoena those records and look at them. Because they need to be looked at. And hopefully they will now subpoena all the tax records for the Pelosi's just to make sure the audits are proper. Remember that? Just to make sure all the auditing is proper, you know. I'll be right back. Mark in. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Now that the... Uh, Republicans have the rules that they want. 
They have a responsibility, especially the conservatives. Especially the conservatives. They're bragging they have the rules that they want, and that's a good thing. Now they have the rules that they want. But they had most of the rules anyway, but that's beside the point. Now we expect action. Now we expect action. And that's what I'll be monitoring here. More proof that Nancy Pelosi was more responsible for January 6th riot than Trump writes Victoria Taft in an outstanding piece over at uh, PJ Media. A little-noticed bill passed before Christmas shows that the United States Senate knows Nancy Pelosi had more to do with the U.S. Capitol breach on January 6th than anything President Trump did that day. Indeed, Pelosi could be crowned queen of the mob since her actions led to the crashing of the perimeter fences, general dysfunction, and deaths of Trump supporter, of a Trump supporter that day. Even after the one-sided January 6th committee left Pelosi's role on the cutting room floor, there's one inescapable conclusion. If she had done her job, there would not have been a riot, no deaths of a Trump supporter, no show trials, no political prisoners sitting in a solitary confinement in a D.C. gulag for two years awaiting trial. There would have been no need for federal agents, she writes, to orchestrate a riot. Pelosi was more responsible for the marauding mob at the Capitol that day than anything President Trump did to incite, quote-unquote, his huge crowd of supporters, which he provably did not, writes Taft. And here's how we know this. On Monday night, December 12, senators unanimously passed a measure to remove authority for calling out the National Guard from politicians like Pelosi and gave it over to the Capitol Police. They took it from Pelosi and gave it to the cops. Despite heightened threat assessments by federal authorities showing problems ahead of January 6th and the Trump administration offering National Guard help, it wasn't the administration, it was Trump. The people who were supposed to call out the Guard, the Speaker and the D.C. Mayor, Muriel Bowser, wanted no Guard on the scene due to optics. Bowser had battled with Trump over National Guard presence during the BLM Antifa riots in the past and didn't want the militarized look in her city. If she needed them at all for January 6th, she decided the Guard would be unarmed and relegated to traffic control. Pelosi's office, quote, was heavily involved in planning and decision-making before and during the events of January 6th, and micromanaged the sergeant-at-arms, according to texts and other communications that came to light after January 6th. The Pelosi team's messages and posts were exposed. In an investigative report by some House Republicans, Pelosi removed from the January 6th committee. The message show how Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund begged Pelosi and the sergeant-at-arms to plus up security. His request for help was only satisfied after the riot fizzled out. And the New York Post reported that the GOP investigation showed, quote, the House Sergeant-at-Arms, Paul Irving, who answered to Pelosi as one of the three members of the Capitol Police Board, succumbed to political pressures. From the office of Speaker Pelosi, I'm quoting, and House Democrat leadership was compromised by politics and did not adequately prepare for violence at the Capitol. And the House 
and Senate Sergeant of Arms and Capitol Police Chief Sun resigned their jobs. But in a move the same week, the Democrat-run Senate tacitly affirmed that Pelosi royally screwed up by failing to take Trump up on his offer for National Guard and preventing the January 6th Cassandra said was worse than the Civil War with the 9-11 attacks. Well, Biden's one of the Cassandras, too. So they changed it. They took the authority away from the Speaker, I guess. Obviously, now that's McCarthy, but they took it away from Pelosi and gave it to the head of the Capitol Police. And they only would have done that if they know that Nancy Pelosi has blood on her hands. And she does. And that's why one of the questions I asked Chairman Comer, head of the House Oversight Committee, if they're going to dig into this. And he said, absolutely. I hope you were able to see that interview last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin. He was terrific, as a matter of fact. How much time do we have, Rich? In fact, when we come back, I will play you the essence of what he said. It's just a couple minutes. But we really have muscled up my program. I shouldn't say muscled up. It's brains, not muscle. Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sundays. And we're only doing the uh, new shows now, so I hope you will join us. We did our first show of the new year. We had Chip Roy and James Comer on the program. We're also going to get back to having other people on who have really nothing to do with the politics of the moment, but some of this is just too important to ignore. Some of the great thinkers and writers, or some people you've never heard of before who, in my view, are just deserving of a platform. We want to continue to do that as well. And uh, we're going to double our efforts, if that's even possible, to bring you the best substantive programming, whether it's on radio, cable TV, or digital TV. I'll be right back. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. The backbenchers went off on their own, most of them, Mr. Producer, over the course of the last week, and they stepped in it. They stepped in it. I'm sorry. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 
Back in September, you might recall, Joe Biden was on 60 Minutes for a kiss-ass interview. 60 Minutes isn't what it used to be, but then again, what is? 60 Minutes could do what they do in three minutes. That's what they should call it, three minutes with formerly 60 Minutes. Nonetheless, they're on there with Joe Biden and they ask him about documents. Go. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Boy, that was a tough question. Remember the days with Mike Wallace, you know, chasing down gas station attendants and stuff like that with secret cameras in their briefcases? (laughs) And then they would do close-ups so you could see the guy's nose hairs. Remember all that? You don't remember that. You're too young, Mr. Producer. Now we're stuck with this. Anyway, uh, so he thinks it's, how can anyone do that? It's irresponsible. For two months, Republicans on Capitol Hill, two months, Merrick Garland and the boys and girls and transitioners, they sat on this, may I say? They sat on this information. Waited till after the campaign. And they kept it from, from Congress and the American people for two months. No, 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 no FBI SWAT team with semi-automatic rifles. Maybe automatic, for all I know. All the leaks and all the rest. No, no. James Comer last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Cut 16, go. What are the top priorities of your committee, or do you have just a group of things you're going after uh, simultaneously? Well, we're going to be doing a lot. I want to be a substantive committee. There has been no oversight over the past two years. You think about all the money that's been spent in the name of COVID, all the stimulus funds, all the unemployment insurance extensions, all the PPP loans, uh, the infrastructure bill. There's not been a single hearing in the House of Representatives that would uh, identify any wasteful spending. You just assume that everything's going well, and we know that's not true. We know there's been hundreds of millions of dollars that went to fraud in the unemployment systems in all 50 states. We know that there were PPP loans that were obtained uh, through uh, phony accounts and and through foreign accounts, even worse. We know that there are a lot of uh, things that have been spent in the name of education that had nothing to do with the COVID FUD that they were intended to, uh, to, to, to use, be used for. So uh, we're going to, we're two years behind because the Democrats didn't hold any hearings with respect to spending. I'm concerned about all the trillions of dollars that were wasted in COVID. We're concerned about the Southern border. We've been meeting and we've had whistleblowers with the border patrol that have told us uh, different things that, that Mayorkas has told them with respect to essentially standing down at the border. Uh, Mayorkas knows very well uh, the problems that this administration's created 
uh, on the southern border, but yet they continue to allow for what is essentially an open border policy. Uh, we're going to be dealing with a lot of the, the border issues. Uh, we're also concerned from an investigative standpoint. We're very concerned about the uh, Biden family influence peddling. We believe that this administration could possibly be compromised because of the millions of dollars that Hunter Biden and Jim Biden have received. And according to uh, information on the on the laptop that we we possess, the hard drive with the laptop, uh, Hunter Biden was was paying for a lot of expenses for his father. So uh, there's a lot of uh, investigative responsibility that we're going to be undergoing. Uh, we've already sent letters out to people. We want to bring people in to start doing transcribed interviews uh, next week. So uh, we're going to hit the ground running. I like this guy. He also said during the course of the interview that they're going to look at the National Archives when I asked him about that, about their communications with the Department of Justice, with the White House and others, because I, I said last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, uh, there hasn't been uh, this has this is not appropriate treatment of Trump. And I guarantee others have documents. And here they are. They leak it out today. And I suspect that leak occurred not to pat myself on the back, but because this gentleman, James Comer, who's going to head, who heads this committee now, has said at my inquiry, are you going to look at the national art that they are? And so I think they leaked this this evening to try and get in front of what's going to be a new investigation by Congress with the Republicans in town. If the Democrats controlled this committee, nothing would be going on. I also asked him early in the program, the first question was whether Kevin McCarthy has limited what you can do or said go for whatever you want to go for. He said there's been no limitation whatsoever that he's going to look into whatever he needs to look into. He also said this, cut 17, go. Now, it's obvious they're going to play rope-a-dope with you. Uh, the White House has already said, well, you know, we're not responding to that other stuff you sent us. You were in the minority, so start over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to try and drag this out through the two-year uh, term of the Republicans in the House of Representatives. Um, how are you going to fight that? I guess aggressively in court, right? Aggressively in court, that's plan B. Plan A was to withhold their funding. Unfortunately, the senators... Uh, did us no favors by passing that omnibus spending bill. Uh, We had hoped that they would pass a continuing resolution, punt until January, let let me bring some of these bureaucrats in, uh, where we've had so many questions with, uh, with respect to waste, fraud, and abuse of tax dollars in every cabinet. But unfortunately, the the Senate, for for whatever reason, decided to, to fully fund every agency for the next nine months. So that was one of the tools in the toolbox we had uh, to try to withhold funding. But we're going to enact the Holman rule. We're going to do a lot of different things in the House that will hopefully give us more tools to be able to identify specific agencies, specific bureaucrats to withhold their funding in the future. But we're going to use subpoena power. And it's a shame to have to use subpoena power to request government uh, spending. You know, we're working closely with the inspectors general. Uh, We've identified several inspectors generals that uh, are very effective, uh, that are are very concerned about wasteful spending in their cabinets and in their agencies. So uh, we've already been meeting with them. So we're ready to start having hearings and and bring people in to be interviewed and and then further ahead to be deposed. Wonderful. This guy seems like the real deal, Mr. Comer. 
Then you've got Judiciary with Jim Jordan. He's the real deal. And then they're going to have the special committee. They'll call it something akin to the church committee, which will have uh, super-duper powers. Again, I think that's why this was leaked today, that they found uh, classified documents uh, at the Biden. How can you call anything associated with a Biden a think tank, Mr. Producer? Maybe it's a drunk tank. The Biden drunk tank over there. And they need to look at the University of Delaware, those papers. They ought to go and look at uh, Obama's papers. I'm quite serious about all this. I want them to get the Pelosi tax returns since that's now an open, uh, it's now open season. And they're starting to worry about it. I, I saw a report the other day where they said there's no evidence of criminality in, in Trump's six years of tax returns. So they try to embarrass him with his tax payments or lack thereof and his use of the tax code, which you're supposed to do, right? But my point is, all the years that they were squawking about that, there's nothing there. His taxes are actually quite good. His tax returns are as clean as clean can be. But are the Pelosi's? How about Joe Biden's S-corporations, Joe and Dr. Jill? Oh, I don't know. Then I said to Chip Roy, okay, we got all these rules worked out and so forth, Chip. The problem is here, we, we need to enforce the Constitution. And the best place to start is with the Secretary of the DHS. What's his name, Malarkey? Secretary Malarkey. I know, Mayorkas. Malarkey. Cut 19, go. Chip Roy, let me ask you a question. I don't think any of your rules have anything to do with impeachment. Now, that said, uh, we have the head of the Department of Homeland Security who is daily violating the federal constitution and federal immigration laws. And this is affecting the national security, the health and well-being of our society. Uh, why is it so uh, uh, such an affront to raise impeachment when it comes to somebody like this? Well, Mark, it shouldn't be. And I can tell you, obviously, as a Texan, being there on the front lines uh, and what we're feeling in terms of the impact of these wide open borders and the people in our communities dying from fentanyl poisonings. And I could go on and on. Immigrants dying, 53 immigrants getting cooked in a trailer in San Antonio, cartels infiltrating our border. It's unbelievably devastating. And we know that the secretary has been lying. We know that the secretary's lied to Congress. He's lied about the uh, Border Patrol agents allegedly whipping Haitian migrants. Um, and he should be impeached for failing to carry out his constitutional duties, blatantly disregarding it. The, the problem we'll have is that there's a block of Republicans who are going to be a little hesitant to say that it's a high crime and misdemeanor. Now, I think that's wrong. Right. I mean, I think I think that at the point when you've got an individual ignoring their constitutional duty, ignoring their oath, breaching the public trust, that that is an impeachable offense. I've made the case for that. I've been doing it for about a year. I, I literally wrote a memo making the case. I hope that we'll go through that and investigate it. I know that the speaker wants to, and I know that Jim Jordan wants to go to look at that. But we've got a few Republicans who are hesitant. So we're going to have to make the case. I think we can get them across the line, but it's going to take a little bit of work. But it is clear that he's disregarded his oath, that he should be removed from office. You got to love Chip Roy, too. And by the way, that's what we're here for. We want to know which Republicans are recalcitrant. And we want to bring the pressure. Because the truth is Joe Biden should be impeached. But he's got his buddy over there. They have their common connection with the Communist Chinese Party. 
and that's, of course, McConnell. McConnell, the other day, at a press conference with Biden, he was standing in front of a bridge. I was waiting for the ghost of Ted Kennedy to show up. That was an expensive bridge, America. At least a trillion dollars. I guess that's what he got. Jerk. I'll be right back. Mud Lovin. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. You know, America has ruined the word woke. It was a good word once upon a time. It meant that you were asleep, but then you weren't anymore. You were woke. As soon as we come back, we're going to have Stephen Miller with us uh, to explain to us what the hell is Biden doing now with immigration. We know, as a matter of fact, uh, that he went to a Potemkin village. That is, he went to a sanitized location where they moved out all the illegal immigrants, they moved out all the feces, they moved out all the trash, and they said, ooh, look at at what's going on here. And he said, well, well, do they have ice cream? Anyway, uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, what they did, and that, I mean, when a president goes, let's say there's a flood, or there's been a hurricane, or whatever there's been, The point of going is to see what the disaster is. Man-made, nature-made, whatever it is. In order to know what to do about it, right? So he's like these communist dictators. Castro, Maduro, Xi, or fascists like, uh, what's his name anymore? Putin, or whatever. And they walk down the street that they want to see. And Stalin used to do this. They will walk down the street they want to see and say, isn't this fantastic? It's working. And so just like them, in this sense, in this way, I'm not calling him a mass murderer. In this way, although he's a mass something, all the horrors that are taking place there, he walks down the street and he sees what he wants to see. I'll be right back. In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. 
Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you, too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time, so check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We have our good friend Stephen Miller with us. Founder of America First Legal. How are you, sir? Uh-oh. I don't hear him. You're doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, there you are. Good to hear you. And full disclosure, of course, my wife works with this fantastic organization. Now, Stephen Miller, I am not an expert like you on immigration. I just know right from wrong. What is it exactly that Joe Biden was proposing the other day? I couldn't even understand. It just sounded like amnesty. In fact, it sounded like you get amnesty overseas and then you can come into the United States. I I wasn't following this. It's pre-amnesty. For those of you who travel a lot, maybe a good analogy would be TSA pre-check or something like that, where you're basically pre-cleared for entry in the United States as a would-be illegal alien. And so there's a couple of ways this can be done. First is by applying through, I guess they have a new smartphone application, like a fast pass, if you will. You can click a button and be given a green light to come into the country. And presumably you'll be flown here probably by an NGO, a non-governmental organization, who I imagine are also the ones who will be handing out the phones where migrants can click the buttons to get their passes into the United States. And the fake authority that they're using for this is something known as humanitarian parole. And so for those of you who followed this for a while, you're obviously no doubt familiar with DACA, which is the same concept, but for illegal aliens who are already here. So Congress has passed a couple statutes that give the president, in extraordinary circumstances, the authority to provide immigration relief to somebody. So if they're here in the United States illegally, for example, and they're about to be deported, but they have a stroke or a seizure, you could give them deferred action and say, we're going to let you go to the hospital, get, your, uh, get some blood thinners, whatever it may be, then we'll deport you. Like, that would be a lawful application of deferred action, for example. And so Obama said, I'm going to give deferred action to every single illegal alien who is eligible for the DREAM Act that Congress defeated. That was obviously an imperial usurpation of authority that violated the Constitution and was executive lawmaking of the worst kind. 
this is the exact same thing. Humanitarian parole would be a situation where somebody shows up at the border and is having, say, a medical emergency. And so instead of deporting them, you would say, we're going to take you to the hospital and we'll deport you later. And Biden's saying, I'm going to use this to create from whole cloth a new visa program. So 30,000 would-be illegal aliens a month will enter the United States, and we will give them full lawful status, we will give them work permits, we will give them freedom to move, and we'll say on paper, oh, this will only be for two years, but of course, like DACA, it will be renewed forever and indefinitely. And then on top of that, if that wasn't enough, they're also saying they're going to admit people under the auspices of asylum, also illegal aliens, at our ports of entry, on a more expedited basis. So for illegal aliens who are about to cross the border, again, they can work with a NGO who can drive them over to a port of entry, and they'll just let them right in at the port of entry that's meant to be for lawful visa holders. So in sum and in total, what Biden basically announced is that he's going to get as many people into the country illegally as quickly as he can. Now this is what bugs me, Stephen Miller. This is impeachable. His entire policies toward the border are illegal. He's violating federal law. Uh, He's skirting it. And he has a constitutional obligation uh, to ensure that the laws are faithfully executed. That's not just a bumper sticker. That is a fact. And the Supreme Court has ruled that way. And yet we have this guy McConnell in the Senate who's never going to let anything come up because they're buddies, he and Biden, by way of uh, Shanghai and Beijing, I think. And uh, in the House, even though they have all these wonderful rules they just passed, apparently it's going to be difficult to do something like that as well. So if they're not going to be held accountable, then there's nothing that's going to happen, is there? So you're asking exactly the right question. With respect to impeachment, it's not even a question. It is a necessity. Now, I just went through a fairly wonky explanation, but here's the very blunt explanation. Biden has a legal duty to deport and prevent the entry of the people he's spending your tax dollars right now on getting into the country. It's as clear-cut a violation of the law and Constitution as you could ever get. Imagine a counterfactual, if you will. Let's say that Congress passed a law under some president saying that you you have a legal obligation to admit, uh, say, 10,000 guest workers from Mexico every month to build houses. Like Congress has passed a law, and they said, you have to do it. It's in law. And then Donald Trump comes into office, and he says, I don't care about this law. I refuse to comply with it. And this is the law was written. It was airtight. You had no way around it. And the President Trump just said, I'm not following this law. I'm not letting these guest workers in. I will not do it. He would be impeached on the floor of the House of Representatives within a week. And yet that would be a much lesser offense, an infinitely lesser offense, than breaking our laws to bring in well over, well over 5 million illegal aliens in the span of two years' time. If we don't impeach him, I don't want to hear about, well, you'll never have the votes in the Senate. If the House doesn't impeach him and there's not a trial in the Senate, then what we are saying is every Democrat president for the rest of our lives has a free pass to come in and let in every single person. So it doesn't matter if you win the White House every other time. You can get to zero illegals 
for four years in a row or eight years in a row, and all your hard work will be undone when the Democrat president comes in and lets in 5, 10, 15, 20 million. It doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do. That's the end of the democracy, the end of the republic. You're so right. I mean, they don't even vote on this anymore, amnesty. They just do it every day. That's amnesty. That's what's happening on the border. They ask, what's his policy? His policy is amnesty by hook or by crook. And so my view is you change whatever rules you want. When the rubber hits the road, are you going to do something about this or not? Do you agree? I completely agree. And we need to focus the attention of the nation on this. You're talking about Mitch McConnell. I think one of the gravest sins, political sins, is also a moral sin. But one of the gravest political sins that was made over the first two years of the Biden presidency is despite having the power of the filibuster, the Senate did not once use that power to call the attention of the nation to the border catastrophe, to make it into a referendum, to make it into an issue, to make it so that people who don't listen to your program or who don't watch Fox News or who don't follow Bill Malusion online, people who aren't in the know, would have a clue what was happening. If you look at polling on this, the number of Americans who have even a vague sense of how many illegal aliens who enter the country is about 10% of the population. About 10% of the country has a general idea of what's happening on the border. It would not be hard to inform the other 90%, but it would have required at some point in the last two years for the Senate Republicans at any point in time to take any important bill, any must-pass bill, and just say, hell no, we're not passing it, it's not going anywhere, we're not voting on it, we're not moving it, we're not doing any damn thing as long as the border's open. And they Mm -hmm. didn't do it, not once in two years. Mm -hmm. And even now, they pulled the rug out from under the Republicans in the House. They have no uh, budget leverage. They do have debt ceiling leverage, of course. But um, the problem is they're having to fight McConnell and Biden and Schumer, which might be tough, but they do need to keep fighting, and they need to make the point over and over and over again. I mean, if we think the rule changes are important, and they are, uh, the substance is even more important. Don't you agree? Yes, it's how you use those, it's how you use those rule changes right. in order to accomplish these things. And I'll say about the point about the budget, uh, yes, we lost a year, effectively, uh, because of uh, the passage of the, of the so-called omnibus spending bill. Because the second part of this strategy, one is you begin an impeachment inquiry, uh, and the second is, and it's going to be a year later, so, you know, four million legal aliens later, is on the next spending bill, you have to include in that bill ironclad language, a pair of handcuffs on this president that prevents him from perpetuating any policy that brings an illegal alien from outside or at our borders into the interior of the country. You know, enough with all this euphemism. Every time somebody talks about immigration reform or what's your border plan or how do you plan to handle, handle the surge of irregular migration, the public policy question is a simple one. How do you stop this president from bringing illegal aliens who ought to be and must be deported into our cities and towns? That's the public policy crisis, and that can be defunded. All right. If people want to learn more about your great group, where do they go? AFlegal.org. We're filing lawsuits on these very issues. That's AFlegal.org. Please go to our website, sign up, get our alerts, and we'll keep you posted. All right, Stephen Miller. Thank you. Keep up the great work. All right. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have Greg Kelly on the program. You know, his father was NYPD commissioner when we had real law enforcement in New York City. And, of course, he is a great host on WABC. He is a great host on Newsmax. Greg, how are you? Mark, thank you so much. Great to be here. And, uh, Mark, thank you. Thank you so much for the wisdom you provided, the knowledge, uh, the guidance in these crazy times, and also the humor and the companionship, really. I'm a, I'm a longtime listener, and uh, you have, um, obviously, you know, you're performing an amazing service, and uh, so so happy you're out there. Thank you. Well, Greg, thank you, and I am a huge fan. Folks, we've never spoken before. I don't think so, have we, Greg? No, this is it. <laughs> this Unbelievable. Is, uh, this is it. And... Um, uh, I That's do feel crazy. like I know you, and uh, in a strange way. But uh, no, Mark, it's it's a privilege to be with you to talk about a book. You know, quite frankly, getting a book published in this environment, a, a conservative yeah. book by Simon and Schuster, mind you. This is a you know yeah. big time, uh, and they they publish plenty of liberals and threshold editions. Uh, their imprint. Uh, but I say Black Lives Matter is corrupt, and I make that case, and I. I, I, I that's not an easy thing for a publisher to embrace these days. So in addition to thanking you, I am very grateful that a publisher uh, had faith in me. And, oh, by the way, they're not endorsing this book. They're not not endorsing this book. They're just mm-hmm. providing it to the marketplace of ideas, and that's so important. Well, I'm endorsing it. It's a great book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, and it's especially important day. It's Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. Tell America why you decided to write this book and what you put in this book that distinguishes it from other people out there talking about it generally. You know, it was in the middle of the Black Lives Matter hysteria in the summer of 2020. And two things happened that, quite frankly, changed my life to some degree. Um, You'll remember the riot that happened and the protest that was cleared in front of the White House. And President Trump had the audacity to walk across a suddenly peaceful area and hold the Bible up in front of a church. Now, that did not strike me as unusual or outrageous, but it was treated as such. And that was a moment that I think just changed me on some molecular level. (laughs) How could Black Lives Matter be celebrated more than a Bible at a church? And then to see Mm -hmm. General Milley apologize for that moment, for appearing with the president, because it created the, uh, the appearance, I think he said, of uh, military involved in domestic politics. And then he went on to endorse domestic politics, <laughs> endorse mm-hmm. this issue and that, that position. So it was, it was a wake-up call in, in, in a fundamental way. Now, this book, I make the case against Barack Obama, Black Lives Matter, and in support of law enforcement. One of the things I talk about a lot. And quite frankly, at one point, it was perhaps awkward for a white person to talk about it. But those days are over. You know, Barack Obama, for one brief shining moment, was prepared to stand up and say, we have a problem in the black community. Too many black fathers are AWOL. Too many black fathers are MIA. And one of the number one leading causes or contributors to crime is single parent families. Some people can thrive. But if you look at the aggregate, you see that that is an indicator Uh, you're more likely to go to prison, you're more likely to drop out of high school. Barack Obama will not talk about that. As a matter of fact, Jesse Jackson threatened to castrate him after he said it. So Barack Obama, instead of being a post-racial president, decided to be a racially divisive president. Mm -hmm. 
which he was. He con- he was conflicted about his own race, and he went all in uh, with victim culture to the detriment of us all. Mm-hmm. So I hope in a pretty stark way, I'm saying things that need to be said, also, quite frankly, memorialized in book form. It's one thing to tweet about it. I talk about these things on, on the radio show. But there are things I wanted to memorialize, um, especially January 6th and Ashley Babbitt. Um, there are lots of books that are being churned out by the January 6th cops. And, uh, but that that woman was murdered in front of all of us, in my opinion. Amen. It's not been established necessarily in court, but that's what it looks like. And you mentioned my father. And any, I believe any law enforcement professional will tell you in the country that what happened to her, well, there's absolutely no justification. And that has, there has to be accountability. Mm-hmm. So I, I have not heard many people other than you and a select few in the conservative space make this case. And uh, I'm hopeful that this, uh, that this is a productive entry into the conversation. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Your father's, I can only imagine what my father would think, but your father was a very, and is, very important commissioner of the biggest city in America, where things were run very, very well. He ran a tight ship, and police were respected, largely, um, and they got kind of the support that they needed from the mayor. He must be looking at this and just saying, good God, what the hell has happened to my country? No? He is. He's heartbroken about it. And also that the lies that have been told about the police department. You know, when my father, my father was police commissioner for 14 years, 12 under Mike Bloomberg. The day he left office, the NYPD's approval rating was at 70 percent. My father's personal approval rating was at 75 percent. And this is across ethnic and racial lines. I think he had uh, plus 60% among blacks, 57% with Hispanics. What happened is the left pretended that policing in America was broken. And then they pretended to fix what wasn't broken. And now they've actually managed to break it. That's a good way to put it. I've actually never heard it that way. No, that's very good. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and, well, that's, and that's, that's where we are now. Um, it's and it's interesting that they were able to pull it off, especially here in New York. Um, they, you know, election day in New York City, primary day, is the last Tuesday in June, right before the last day of school. <laughs> they don't want yeah. people turning out for these elections, and they've been very clever about that. We had the lowest turnout since World War One in the past two elections, and we get clowns and bozos, and and quite frankly, too many people who are in power they want to keep the power and i'm talking about quite frankly corporate america so they go along with this nonsense and they put the blm logo right next to their corporate logo completely thoughtlessly because that's what the mob wants will you will you uh, hang over the break please greg be my pleasure we're talking to greg kelly fantastic guy wabc newsmax And a brand new book, Justice for All. You can go to Amazon.com. It's on my social sites.
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Well, here with Greg Kelly, the book is fantastic, Justice for All, it's brand new, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. And what I really like about this book is you, it's no holds barred, and you really do get into the nub of the matter, and your chapters cover really everything here. It's very readable, and so I'm not going to be able to actually cover it all, but let me ask you a few questions here, Greg. When prosecutors prefer criminals, that is a disaster. It's a disaster in our cities. It's Soros that's causing a lot of this. What is your what, what is your worldview on that? Well, it was a vulnerability that was hiding in plain sight. Um, the local district attorneys' races are not generally the most watched. They're not generally the most competitive. Um, and this was an opening for George Soros and the hard left to wreak havoc because just a little bit of money could get total radicals elected like what we have here in new york alvin bragg and he isn't the only one there's about 20 or so uh, across the country who are um, opponents of the criminal justice system these people it's not a stretch some of them want to abolish prison they want to abolish jail they want to abolish the police alvin bragg seems to have some sort of issues stemming from childhood. And I feel safe in saying that, Mark, because the very first day in office, he issued a 12-page memo that outlined how uh, resisting arrest would no longer be considered um, a crime, how uh, armed robbery in certain respects uh, would not be prosecuted as such, all because he had an experience as a young man where he witnessed crime. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> but we are paying the price here in New York. And I keep hearing, you know, uh, we, uh, the, the, the Republican gubernatorial candidate, Lee Zeldin, promised to fire him day one. And there was a bit of an uproar. And the governor has the authority to do that. Well, a democratically elected district attorney, mm-hmm. we have 8 million people in New York City. Roughly 90,000 voted for him. That's how starkly, uh, how sparsely attended these primaries are. And with just a little bit of money, 
and a little bit of gumption, you can get a total nut job elected district attorney in your Unbelievable. city. Unbelievable. I've got one here in this county out here, Loudoun County, Virginia, which seems to be ground zero for all kinds of crap. And she's out here and, uh, you know, does exactly the same thing, announces, you know, uh, any... Any theft under a $1,500 or whatever the number is won't be prosecuted. So with the criminals, they start stealing stuff. It's, it's insane. And yet the Democrat Party does not reject these people, do they? The Democrat Party does not try and cleanse its, its, its ranks of these kind of nut jobs, does it? No, which is something that confounds me. My theory is that Barack Obama is actually the de facto head of the party and Michelle Obama. They are calling the shots. Now, is there documentation? There's never documentation. There's a wink and a nod. And I think we all know that Joe Biden obviously is not up to the task of being president. Uh, He's not up to the task of running for reelection. So this is all being held together by some sinister forces. There's no transparency. And we have to deal with the results, at least for now. I mean, it looks bleak at this moment. It really does. Um, at the end of the book, uh, I, I said, what can we do? And I, I outlined some things that we can do. But I think this is going to take, at some point, divine intervention, Mark. And we both know that God can do anything. Mm-hmm. And as, as bleak as it seems, I do think that we're going to come out okay as a country. We have to do our part. I don't know how it's going to happen, uh, but I, I hope we're going to be okay. I know we're going to be okay. I hope we're going to be okay. This fantastic book, folks, is Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. You can get it right now, Amazon.com, any major bookstore, but you can grab it fast. You can go to any of my social sites. It's available there. You're listening to Greg Kelly, who's a fantastic radio host and TV host. He's on WABC my mother station in New York. And, of course, he's on Newsmax, which is a fantastic outfit, too, uh, with Chris Reddy and the rest. Now, have you ever given thought, I mean, I hate to say this, but, I mean, given your your family's roots here, have you ever given thought to leaving New York? Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) uh, Came pretty close. Because it's Um, collapsed. This is... uh, That's your chapter, too. (laughs) <laughs> we had a discussion as a family. I live in the heart of New York City, uh, close to Central Park. And it's not safe to take the subway. I took the subway every day for about 10 years. Mm-mm. I stopped a year ago. Um, it's too tense. There's, there's and you're an a big dude. And you're a former and you're a retired Marine Corps and all the rest. I mean, imagine little old ladies and so forth. It's an entirely different city, and it was so avoidable, it's so unnecessary, it's so artificial. And the media, they bear so much responsibility for hyping and exaggerating and not providing context for these issues involving police. What happened to George Floyd was awful, but the overreaction has damn near broken the country. And the media, you've written about this so powerfully, seem to be at war with the truth. I, <laughs> I'm at a loss, really, to understand their motivations. Uh, people at NBC, ABC, CBS, how they, and the New York Times, some of them, 
how they signed up for this. But I do feel very grateful, Mark, that I'm not beholden to them. And, you know, it's it may not be the biggest space in the world, but we're free. <laughs> we're free on this side of mm-hmm. the aisle. So I am going to stay in New York for the time being, but Florida is looking awfully tempting. I do love it. If people, are you going to be doing any book signings? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be in uh, in Palm Beach on the 21st, I believe. And uh, they have. You're no have fool, idea. baby. That's where you need to do it, down there somewhere. <laughs> January 21st, Palm Beach. Do you know where? Uh, you know what, uh, Mark? I'm sorry. I, I think it's actually at a private residence. Uh, there's a party there, so I. Well, we can go uh, there. Are they going to have food and everything? <laughs> sure. That's all I care about. Uh, what? All right. Well, listen, I, I want to tell you something. This is really a, a, a fabulous book. I hope I want to encourage the people in my audience. It's a good way to start off the new year. You've never read anything like this. It's very thorough. It's very readable. Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement by Greg Kelly. Those of you in the metropolitan New York area, you've heard him on WABC. Those of you in the rest of the country, you've seen him on Newsmax. You're aware of his uh, fantastic family, his father. And uh, he breathes and sleeps and it flows through his blood the nypd and law enforcement and he approaches this like like very few can and i want to wish you all the best with this book greg kelly and i hope to meet you and talk to you again my friend i look forward to that mark and thank you so much thank you to your team and thank you very very much god bless you 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 be well it's justice for all excuse me i'll say it again justice for all how the left is wrong about law enforcement. He really digs into, and in a very uh, healthy, scholarly way, uh, and I think that is possible because he's demonstrated it here, in in part, the book deals with the race issue and coming to terms with uh, some of the violence that is in certain communities. And he doesn't, you know, he's, he's not... You know, make loud, making allegations. Blah, blah, blah. No, he's just looking at the situation. And in uh, the crime, the crime, particularly black-on-black crime, it's it's a horrendous situation. You have all these innocent people who are uh, who are victimized just by by the fact of where they live in many ways, and the schools are deteriorating, and all these things. And it really doesn't matter how much money you pour in. It goes through the fingers of these politicians and so forth. And when you talk to people in these communities, they don't want to defund the police. The phony intellectuals, the phony authors, the phony politicians, the phony activists, yes. But Mr. and Mrs. America in whatever community they live, whatever the color they are, but particularly the black community, they don't want to defund and eliminate the police. They know the situation. We all know the situation throughout the country, as a matter of fact, in all communities. But um, it is it is it is to victimize uh, particularly minority communities when you defund or remove the police. And we know that. And Greg Kelly has the guts to actually write about it and talk about it at some length. The book is Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Do yourself a favor. Go to Amazon.com, unless you're going to a bookstore tomorrow. Grab your copy. You're gonna, I know you're going to love it. And you're going to love him. He's a really, really good guy. 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. It's official, as they reported Free Beacon, our friend Andrew Stiles. Actually, I've never met the guy. It's official. Representative Hakeem Jeffries is one of the biggest losers in the history of American politics. Nancy Pelosi's hand-picked successor has now received more lifetime votes against him in Speaker of the House elections than any Democratic politician since Phineas J. Garrett, Democrat, Tennessee, who lost 11 consecutive Speaker elections between 1923 and 1927. I'll tell you what I like about Stiles in this piece. He's taken their arguments and he's turned it against them. That's what you do. As of Friday afternoon, he writes, a total of 2,872 votes were cast against Jeffries through four days and 13 ballots. It's now more, as we know. More votes to come later in the day, writes, by the time a speaker is finally elected, Jeffries may well exceed 3,000 votes cast against him, which he did, which would constitute a degree of Democratic political failure not seen since Hillary Clinton's humiliating defeat in the 2016 presidential election. Garrett, born in 1875, had a total of 2,429 votes cast against him during his failed bids for the speakership nearly a century ago. Most of those votes came in 1923 when the House needed nine ballots over three days to elect a speaker. Garrett was one of just two House Democrats in the 20th century to serve as party leader, but never a speaker of the House. So, ladies and gentlemen, Hakeem Jeffries is the greatest loser in American history when it comes to the speakership from the free beacon and Andrew Stiles and a brilliant point he is the greatest loser he is the biggest loser did I say he's a loser he's a loser and don't forget Greg Kelly's book it's a fantastic book folks and I know you're gonna enjoy it justice for all how the left is wrong about law enforcement You can get it on Amazon.com, really any site that sells books, any legitimate bookstore on law enforcement appreciation day. And I want law enforcement in this country to know that listens to this program. You've had several very, very difficult years. Many of you didn't sign up for what you're dealing with. The threats, the assaults, the casualties... All the negativity, I got it. But please know this. The vast majority of Americans are not represented by the media. They're not represented by Black Lives Matter and Antifa. They're not represented by the hate police crowd. Because the hate police crowd is the hate America crowd. They're the hate military crowd. They're the hate liberty crowd. We know who they are. And I personally, on behalf of 14 and a half million listeners to this program, I and they, we, want to thank you. Because you don't get paid a lot of money. And you put your necks on the line all the time. I had family members who are no longer with us. Wonderful. Uncles and so forth, who were part of the Philadelphia Police Department. My man Danny, like a cousin to me. He was a police officer in New Jersey. 
And wherever I go, the police are always very kind to me. Call me out to say hello. I haven't been to New York in a long time. But when I was, in fact, I haven't been to any city in a long time. Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, any of it. They're just not safe. Imagine being a police officer in the middle of all this. So I want you folks who are in law enforcement to know how much you're appreciated by the vast majority of America in all communities, in all communities. You've got the slip and fall phony civil rights lawyers. There's civil rights Marxists. You've got the Democrat Party that hates your guts and they do this for exploitive reasons. But the American people, the regular Mr. and Mrs. America, couldn't love you enough. So thank you very, very much. And thank you, folks, my wonderful, beautiful, brilliant audience. God bless you all. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker friends, and the men and women in Taiwan, and the men and women in Ukraine, and all over the world who yearn for liberty. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless each and every one of you.